0: There's a tackle
2: watch out, Burst of speed. Look at this freshman. Welcome
1: to the home of professional football. Canton, Ohio.
2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the College to Canton podcast, the perfect show for any and every college football and NFL fan. I'm your host, Travis May, and if you're joining us for the first time, College to Canton is a show where we talk about everything from college football recruiting to in-season college and NFL breakdowns to NFL draft coverage, all the way to discussions about who should be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. We always talk about some fantasy football since this is a Road of His podcast, but We also make sure to dive into some real college football and NFL analysis, too. Last week, I kicked off my Top 100 Rookies series with a podcast preview special. And if you go to rotaviz.com, you can start reading the five-part series there this week. And really, if if you're into college football, NFL draft coverage, and really all things NFL, there's plenty of content there for you to enjoy year-round. But this week, I decided to pivot back to some current NFL talk, uh, moving away from the college side just for a week here quarterback and wide receiver positions might be deeper than ever and the tight end position is you know it's pretty much always a mess especially for fantasy football purposes but the one position that everyone loves but that can also be one of the most difficult to assess or predict and can be super frustrating in today's NFL especially when we've got the Taysom Hills and uh, and apparently the Jacoby Brissett of the world uh, really gets frustrating but the running back position is one that's fun to talk about one that's fun to break down so I'm joined this week by the one and only Izzy Elkifas of the Dynasty Trade Calculator. You can find him on Twitter at DTC underscore Izzy. That's I-Z-Z-Y-E on Twitter. Uh, Good fantasy football commissioner, league mate, and friend. Uh, He is is the uh, co-founder, actually, of the Dynasty Trade Calculator. If you guys use that tool, it's one of the best... Out there, it's been really cool to see that growth from the ground up. But Izzy, glad to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me, man.
1: I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Glad to be on.
2: Yeah, yeah, man. It's 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 been forever, I think, since I've uh, since we've been on the show together. I think I came on the uh, DTC show probably I don't know four times or so early on, way back when I yeah, was I uh, actually still writing for you guys. But it, it's been a bit.
1: Yeah. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, it has been a while and. I, uh, I when did you launch this podcast?
2: Yeah, so this podcast has actually only been going since the summer. So you you, you know okay, I had I was the whole say. yeah had the whole dynasty life thing for a few years. Hopped right. on over to uh, the dynasty uh, command center with Curtis, and uh, that hopped on with Rotoviz Radio, and and now uh, kicked off this show. Kind of a, a little bit of everything from you know college football recruiting stuff all the way to you know pro football Hall of Fame. Just just like the the whole pitch I say it, <laughs> every yes. single
1: week. Did you? did you gotta ask did you go to like broadcasting school you feel I, I feel like you're trained in the art of like radio or something because you got to teach me the voice that you're doing there I gotta learn oh, yeah? how to do that okay well I uh, that's w- slick I, it's 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 like Perfect. you're like primed for the big show
2: <laughs> yeah that's that's what I'm working towards man but no uh, we'll, we'll just spend a few hours after the show after we record and, okay. uh, and it will work on it but uh no I mean it's it's uh I love it <laughs> <laughs> it's been great, and, and folks, if you're not uh, familiar with Izzy, uh, he's a great follow on Twitter. Just a hilarious guy, but uh, always talks uh, player values quite a bit on their podcast. And really, uh, one of the one of my go tos in in talking all things uh, player values in terms of fantasy football. So wanted to have this guy on because the running back position is just can be a mess at times and and then sometimes it's it's really fun when you know Derrick Henry goes off for 180 yards and three scores like the, he did today and that's that's actually the guy the first running back we are going to kick things off with for this running back special uh, the man of the hour really I mean blowing it up again with another killer game with over 180 yards from scrimmage and three scores that is his 13th running back one game for uh, PPR fantasy football uh, since Ryan Tannehill took over last year. I think it was week seven. uh, 13 of his last 20 games played, he's been a running back one. So 65% of the time, he is a running back one for you in fantasy football. And he's averaging in that same span about 30 more rushing yards per game than any other running back in the NFL. So and on top of that, he actually just crossed the 5,000-yard career rushing threshold this week. Passing Mike Allstott from my alma mater, Purdue, and just a few yards shy of everyone's pre draft comp for Derrick Henry and Brandon Jacobs. So he's already top 140 all time in rushing yards. It could be top 100 by the end of this year. So my first question for you, Izzy, is you know, because this is the College to Canton podcast, do you think Henry has enough tread on his tires to build a Hall of Fame resume?
1: It's really hard for running back these days because their careers are a lot shorter than, you know, outside of the the APs and the Frank Gores of the world, you're not getting mid thirties out of many, many running backs.
2: Unless you're Frank Gore, of course. And then you're never going to Yeah, Frank retire. Gore and
1: AP are the two that yeah. are in this current landscape of running backs. In the last few years, how many running backs that are in... Well, let, let me ask you this. How many running backs in the last few years are Hall of Fame worthy?
2: I mean, there's almost... It's hard because I think our bar is going to have to move, right? Like, because we're not going to have the, the Emmett Smiths that are going to have 18,000 right. rushing yards anymore. That's just not where the NFL is. And I think, yep. I, I don't know, if, for me, just practically speaking, the athletes that are tackling them are more ridiculous than ever. I, I think the shelf life is going to keep going down on these guys, don't you?
1: Y- yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a lot of, there's a, a big combination of why shelf life is, is changing. But, you know, I, I had this conversation on our podcast. I think that we've just had a drought. You know we had a from 2014 to 2016 maybe <laughs> 2017 I'd have to check yeah 2017 there was like had a four some four-year period where yeah. um, we were saying well no no first round running backs being taken the NFL has figured it out and then we've had like a couple here and there that have popped in the first round I think it's more to do with the fact that we just haven't had elite running back prospects come out and I think 2017 was the Leonard Fournette year right that was 2017
2: yeah, like Dalvin Cook, you know Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey, McCaffrey and yeah, Camara, that, It was a stack uh, group. In, it was the best stack, we had seen in absolutely. a while,
1: right? So I, I think when you look at 2014, 2015, 2016, we just had a little bit of a drought there. I think Zeke was the only one you you may know better than I that have that was actually drafted in the first round in those yeah, I mean, three years. Yeah, we had Zeke,
2: but, and then yeah, it was it was not many and, and like I, I remember that you know what, what year was that there was like Bishop Sankey and Jeremy Hill like yeah. were the guys we were trying to get excited about so yeah, yeah. definitely yeah. definitely so a gap I, in there
1: yeah so I think it's more you know we just haven't had like just a, a litany of running backs coming in that are now hitting that that age band of where we start talking about them being 27 28 and they could be going into their you know still into their prime hitting 30 31. Uh, I think Derrick Henry, among a couple others that are starting to hit the like the twenty six. Um, I guess he's the only one at twenty six. The other guys behind him are twenty five. Uh, he's the only twenty six year old that I can foresee being a player that plays into his thirties. Wow, um, that's pretty rough. <laughs> and, and and the main the main reason for that is well, there aren't that many twenty six year olds that are in his position, um, where they're the starting running back of a team. They're either, I guess, Melvin Gordon you can consider a starting running back, but he doesn't strike me as a guy that's going to to be a starting running back into his 30s. You know, I've always been a, a critic of Melvin Gordon, so I don't have much faith in him as a running back. Yeah. Um but Derrick Henry is a guy <laughs> that I've been obsessed with since Forever. he came out. <laughs> yeah, and, and, it, and that's kind of like one of my brand guys where I just been on his train and he, you know, the first couple years he was what might actually benefit him is he's been saving some of that, that tread that you were talking about it was kind of splitting with DeMarco Murray and DeMarco Murray being the one a and to the one B. And then he had that little Dion Lewis <laughs> issue with LaFleur, which still to this day blows my mind. Yeah. And then after, you know, at the end of that season, when Dion Lewis and him were splitting carries and when he really took off and it was at the end of the 2018 season. And then obviously he kind of picked up where he left off in 2019. He's really just dominated second half of, the NFL seasons for the last few years. And the thing is with Derrick Henry is he's got two legendary attributes. One of them is just sheer size and power. <laughs> yeah. And the other one is breakaway speed, right? Which is kind of blend. It's not like he's Tyreek Hill fast. No, but. But he the, shouldn't be the that combination. Fast. <laughs> the combination of his his size mixed with his speed makes him nearly impossible to bring down once he gets into the open field and he's got to step on you like not many guys are catching derrick henry and if they get close he's got the you know he's got the reach of like lennox lewis and he just <laughs> was able to create that space and push off and make sure that he continues on to the end zone he's going to eventually lose that legendary like power speed combination where he's able to take those carries because at the end of the day he's still a four five Five guy, right? I think he yeah. clocked in at four five five, four five. Yeah. So he's not a short area burst guy, but once he gets a full head of steam, then he's hard to take down. He'll eventually lose that hundred meter dash type speed, but he'll still have legendary power.
2: Yeah, and I I think that's so, that's what gives him different a different staying power than any of the other guys that are in his age group. I mean, like there are some other guys like you mentioned that are in that twenty five to twenty seven group, and we'll get to a few of them later here in the show. But I mean. It could be because there weren't a bunch of other other running backs that have sustained greatness within this same window of time in that same age group. We could look at look back at his resume and go, you know what? He was the best running back out of that five year window, except for maybe Zeke. Like when it's all said and done, like that's do you think like even if he doesn't hit the, you know, 12,000, 13,000, 14,000 yards from scrimmage threshold, do you think there's an argument for him being, you know, maybe he he has two or three more 1500 yard seasons, and he eventually has like a Calvin Johnson argument just because there there wasn't anybody like him in his era.
1: Yeah, I think I think he's kind of transcendent in a way. We haven't seen a guy like him since. You don't want to say Brandon Jacobs because he's not really a good example. Because Brandon yeah. Jacobs was he was a big dude that ran fast. He was, but he wasn't a, like a pure running back. He was just an athletic marvel. Yeah. Right. Where Derrick Henry could have, like that, and see, Derrick Henry's better than Eddie George. Eddie George was a yeah. guy that just his yards per carry, his efficiency was really poor. It was real bad. Uh, but a lot of it could have <laughs> to do with the team that he was on and so on and so forth. But he's like Eddie George in the way that he's, you know, 6'3, 6'4, 240 in his prime, and he's just power back. But Derrick Henry has that breakaway speed. I'm not sure. And obviously, another Tennessee guy. Now that I think of it, was Eddie George? You're a Tennessee fan, correct? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. I mean, was that's Eddie George, uh, that, that he wasn't a
1: he wasn't a breakaway speed guy.
2: No, not at all. He was like they just they just ran a bunch of power, and he was just going to smack somebody at the line and fall forward. And that's why his career yards per carry was like you know under four. So uh, it wasn't yeah. pretty, but he just punished people. He knocked people out of the game with his strength. And so I feel like De- in- Derrick Henry has that plus way more speed. So I'm not sure there's been anybody in the history of the NFL that really looks like Henry or even close.
1: Yeah. So Eddie George actually uh, ran a 4.49, uh, but I believe he did it at 225 pounds. And in his NFL prime, he was 240. So yeah, he was not that fast definitely say that. for most yeah. of his career. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I look at Derrick Henry and I say he's got some room to lose his speed and still be a stud uh, and he fits in so perfectly with what they do in Tennessee and they've kind of built you know a, a few years ago um, it started four years ago they Tennessee really started focusing on their offensive line yeah um, year after year they brought in free agents they drafted in the first round and they ensured like we are going to it was with um, who was before Vrab- Was it Malarkey
2: who was before uh, we had M- Mike how Mike Munchak, Munchak who was actually an offensive yeah, line guy so it started with him so- You start
1: with him, like he wanted to have that pound, you know, jam it down your throat type of old school style. And Derrick Henry is absolutely perfect for that. And it seems like that's kind of been the identity of Tennessee and he fits in so well And Vrabel's kind of that old school guy, too. And as long as they're successful, I don't see them going away from intent. It's perfect because Tannehill isn't a guy that you want to have drop back 45, 50 times a game. Tannehill is not the guy that you build your team around. But he's a guy that can win you games if he's got a good team around him. So I, I don't see any reason why they shift away from Derrick Henry in the near future. I can see them bringing in a guy to help you know, spell him on third downs and just kind of add a little bit more dynamic capabilities on third down. But I see him playing into his 30s yeah. and still being a really good running back. Oh, uh, if that's if the case. he's not really good, he'll still be effective.
2: <laughs> Yeah. And if that's the case, he might have enough time then to uh, build up a Hall of Fame resume, especially if we start looking through, you know, at things through a different lens, just understanding that running backs aren't going to have the yards from scrimmage numbers that we've seen in previous generations, just because of the nature of where the NFL is going scheme wise and usage wise for most running backs. But Derrick Henry by himself breaks the mold. Like if you look at his I mean, he had he, he cleared. 200 carries like two weeks ago. Like <laughs> that's not normal yeah. for today's NFL. So with all it's, that in mind, like what what would you, are, are, what are you doing with Derrick Henry in dynasty fantasy football? Like, are you, I, given what you said are you just holding are you just saying look he's my guy and I think he, his usage is going to sustain itself so he's an outlier whereas most 26 27 28 year old guys I'm looking to jettison are you saying that I'm just holding on and I'm gonna I'm gonna expect greatness for the next five years
1: it is a little worrisome just because we've seen what's happened to left bell we've seen what's happened to, to DJ we're starting to see like Zeke isn't as He he's not as poppy as he used to be. Right. And I don't know if today's game is just you know the defenders are bigger, the linebackers are bigger than they used to be. Everybody's just bigger. So (laughs) does that just wear on these guys that are just jamming up the middle? I think it has to. They're (laughs) not. They're not like the Camaro. Camaro is a guy that we can see just doing what he does for a long time because he's kind of just an extension of the pass game. He's not necessarily like a pure running back.
2: No, I mean if you look at his usage like this year. Like he's in terms of carries, he's not even top 25, like carries per game. Like, yeah. But his overall touches are through the roof because he's averaging before today. Anyway, he before was averaging rotation. just he yeah. zero last week. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, he was over seven catches per game as a running back, which is just bizarre. Like there's almost no wide receivers doing that. So he's he yeah. is in, in another kind of outlier that I mean, that that's why the dynasty trade calculator has Kamara ranked so highly, even though he's probably, you know, he's 25 ish now. He could probably sustain that because of how he's used. Uh, so yeah. I, I totally get so, that. I think, yeah.
1: Yeah. So what am I doing with Derrick Henry is is ultimately what the, and, and this is really difficult. And I, my philosophy, and you've been in a couple a couple leagues with me, yeah. is I, I try to have balance on all my teams. So I'm okay. I hate having players that are completely inflexible. And what I mean by inflexible is that once they hit a certain age, Their value in trade is significantly less than the production that they're going to give you on your team. A good example of that for the last couple of years has been Julio Jones. Julio Jones is going to produce at a Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas-like level, but he's going to be half of the price. So why would I necessarily trade for half off? When I can just ride him off into the sunset and just let him die on my team essentially. yeah, I'm okay having one or two, maybe three of those guys as long as I have a nice stable behind him that I can just kind of filter in and out as they as these guys age. so once Julio's gone, it's not like I don't have anything behind him like he wasn't just carrying my team. I have some young up and coming players. What I see a lot of people doing is that, they have a lot of those guys on their team. So they might have gone into the last couple of years with Ty, AJ Green and Julio Jones as their receivers, (laughs) and they didn't have a stable behind them. And now they're just trying to figure out where it all went wrong. Uh, With Derrick Henry, I'm okay having that as long as your other core pieces aren't necessarily aging and inflexible. Because Derrick Henry is already semi-inflexible because his trade market isn't very high despite him being wildly productive. Yeah. Because he doesn't catch passes. So you might have 12, 11 guys in your league besides you. Three out of the 11 might just say, I'm not touching Derrick Henry because he doesn't catch passes, which or, is just that's fine. That's silly. <laughs> yeah, that's the prerogative. They don't want him because he does not catch passes. So, bam, there goes three out of the 11 gone. Now you have the ages, which makes up most of my leagues where yeah, like- once you hit a certain age. Yeah, go ahead.
2: And I was just going to say, yeah, like 26-year-olds are dead now in, in Dynasty Fantasy Football, which is just hilarious.
1: Yeah, for running backs, for sure. Like, people are scared because they there isn't a good, a positive. So we have to understand, you and I have been playing this for a long time, right? Yeah. We've been playing Dynasty long for, time. I've been playing for about 15 years. I Maybe I'm guessing you're about over six because you've been in this industry yeah. for at least five. Yep. So when we were getting into this, Running backs were still dynamite. You know, we were getting towards the end of you know the the APs, the Marchands, the you know even at the end of Sean Alexander. I don't know if you're around when Larry Johnson was just like being, you know, playing yeah, as a stud. Or like even like LaDainian like that, There was a
2: golden age there.
1: Yeah. So there was like that golden age where these running backs were still playing in their late 20s, early 30s. We saw like Fred Taylor playing into his 30s. All that stuff was happening. The new guys, So like the new age dynasty where majority of the people are, they haven't seen that. Like they haven't had that taste of these running backs being studly into their late 20s early 30s there's just been like exceptions to the rule yeah so they've given up on running backs they, they've they seen like the Devonta freemans they've seen the djs they've seen the left bells now they've seen all these guys just kind of fizzle out and they start saying okay 26 20 they're now too old so your market for running back disappears at at 27
2: yeah people yeah. are afraid which of is which so Henry's
1: a guy that i'm cool with hanging on to yeah and to answer your question i wouldn't be trading derrick henry He's not going to get you anywhere near the value that you can versus production. And I don't see the offense changing. The only thing that we can't decipher, and we don't know if this is more of the last handful of years or if this is going to be the norm moving forward, is 27, 28 really the end of elite running backs? And do they start really hitting that wall and Does Derrick Henry stop performing at rushing king numbers? (laughs) I'm betting that he can still do it for a couple more years at least. And he's going to be far more valuable on your team than he is going to be in trade.
2: Yeah, I think that's exactly where I am. And it's tough because I think most running backs wouldn't be. But because of who he is, how he plays and really frankly that he's on the Tennessee Titans if he was on any other team I'm not sure I I would feel the same but I think that they are committed to that form of football and so that makes him unique in that way but I think we are gonna we are gonna find out you know if there is a sustainable way for most running backs to make it to that age if we see another you know if you look at like the top 24 running backs, according to Dynasty Trade Calculator, DLF, his uh, R- R- rankings, you know, any kind of source that does Dynasty rankings, there's still like a half dozen or more guys that are 25, 26, 27 that are still considered pretty valuable assets in Dynasty leagues or uh, still considered good running backs that are like 25, 26, 27. It'll be interesting to see how they age out, like the Dalvin Cooks, like the Aaron Jones, like the Ezekiel Elliott's, like even Kareem Hunt or James Conner, you know, all, all these guys that we might see still have good seasons over the next few years. But I wonder where that new ceiling will be. But conversely, I mean, you mentioned we love youth in Dynasty Fantasy Football. So like there are a bunch of younger running backs still in the past few years worth getting excited about and obviously we a few weeks ago we talked about the elite guys like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Alvin Kamara, you know, Josh Jacobs but you know, this this new generation this rookie class this year was supposed to be incredible but I mean, it's it's been kind of just okay, right? Like Clyde edwards hilaire looked great, like incredible for maybe six or seven weeks, and now it's not trending necessarily in that direction. Uh, DeAndre Swift kind of hasn't. I mean, he, he in the past few weeks maybe he's kind of come up. Uh, J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, like guys like that that we were super excited about, especially even Cam Akers, like guy. There was a there was a top five that should have exploded, uh, and they're they're still valued pretty highly just because. We, you know, we value running backs like crazy in fantasy football, but I, I'm kind of disappointed in all the top five or the guys that were supposed to be the top five. Like, why should actually anybody considering how well Antonio Gibson has played? Why should any of us that play fantasy football value any of those other rookies, you know, higher than Antonio Gibson?
1: I mean, uh, the draft capital for one is pretty big. Uh, when you're talking about the early fir- you know, day, day one, day one guys for sure. I think Antonio Gibson is one of those guys where the the field was split on him, right? So you had, and it was it was very lopsided. So most players, <laughs> most dynasty players, were skeptical of Antonio Gibson. I think a um, lot of people. Were. Was, most real football I people. I was one were. of the, yeah. <laughs> Right. I, I was skeptical of him just because it's well, where's our where's our sample? Like I, I want. I have a hard time understanding, and there are exceptions, and we've seen a couple of them in the last few years, but. It is so odd to me that a guy like Antonio Gibson can come in and ball out in the NFL. Yeah, but a team like Memphis, who it's not like they're a power, it's not like they're uh, Alabama, where Gibson is behind you know Najee Harris and Josh. I mean, even Josh Jacobs is one of those guys where he's a guy that wasn't getting a ton of you know he wasn't a bell cow in college, but he's a bell cow in the NFL. But it's not like he's in this stable of deep running backs. Now Memphis has had a good. Um, running back stable but not to say that he shouldn't be getting more than 77 touches
2: <laughs> yeah, especially
1: well, at his size at 6'2", 220 he is built for carries
2: absolutely and he's not
1: getting them yeah so it, it's just it's it's really hard and I play everything I play dynasty with odds so it's like What are the odds that a guy that only got 77 touches in college, despite how good he looks in those 77 touches, and despite how efficient he was in those 77 touches, what are the odds that he comes in as a third-round pick and ends up being a top-12 dynasty asset?
2: Yeah, it's pretty rare. I mean It doesn't happen. I mean, there were... I understand the skeptics. Like I was actually one of the one of the guys that was really high on Antonio Gibson. I was like I was pumped to get. I I wanted to see his combine because I knew he was ridiculous. I mean, in January I do the top 100 rookie series, and in my January edition I already had him as a top top 24 rookie because of his freak athleticism that I knew he would just explode with at the combine. But I also understood that if he did hit. Like it would be super weird because first off Juco running backs, transfer running backs, just looking at that pool alone, they don't hit like period. Like, and, and there are Chris Johnson things
1: was, was one of those, right? Chris Johnson was a Juco guy, right?
2: Uh, he was actually an East Carolina guy, but he was but wasn't uh, he
1: Juco before that. Yeah, yes. But he was East Carolina. Yeah,
2: yes. Yes. So he was a, another weird track guy. Another most recent example being uh, Alvin Kamara. Like he was a, He was like the only guy in this entire past decade that's really hit. I think uh, Charles Sims, if you count him as a hit for like one hot second, one season maybe, (laughs) but uh, not really. So it's really rare. It's like once in every 10 years, maybe seven or eight years, you'll get a guy that hits that goes a juco route because it's really hard to come in from a juco school. And even if you are liked by that coach and earn a huge workload right away, it just doesn't happen. Especially if you are, I mean, Antonio Gibson, he was a wide receiver before he came to Memphis. Yeah. And the only reason he even got used that much as a running back was because Patrick Taylor Jr. went down and he was supposed to be the feature back for Memphis that season. So Kenneth Gainwell, you know, he, he exploded and 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 so did Antonio Gibson and, and freak kind of crazy efficient plays in a small sample People saw the potential, and people, and obviously the NFL loves potential, and so they were willing to risk it. And when he got that day two capital, I was like, okay, I'm in. I didn't draft him as a first round rookie pick in dynasty formats, but I got him all over anyway, because most people, well, about half of every league was split on him anyway, like you mentioned. So now that we've seen what he can do, like, I mean, it, he's so far this year. So- He's like, what, 11th, per, 11th in PPR per game, like 24th yeah. in touches, though. But he's been, again, once again, incredibly efficient. Now, I don't think he's going to maintain the crazy touchdown pace that he's on throughout his entire career, but what he's done is is more impressive uh, thus far than at least four out of the top five guys that we were so excited about.
1: Incredible. So let me ask you, I mean, I watch college football. You watch college football. Why thing that I can't wrap my mind around is – Memphis has Antonio Gibson on their roster yeah. for two years, 2018 and 2019. And in those two years, they couldn't they in practice they didn't know that this guy was this good. Like that's the thing that I can't j I just don't understand how you can have a guy like Antonio Gibson on your roster and not give him <laughs> significant amount of work
2: well i mean his first season they had daryl henderson there they had patrick taylor jr who actually only fizzled out because of injuries i mean he was really supremely talented and they had tony pollard like all three like they were they were legit guys all three of which have been on nfl rosters two of which got draft capital uh and then kenneth gainwell last year he showed that he's going to be uh, a guy that gets draft capital too, probably around three capital next spring. So it's not like he was playing with a bunch of scrubs. Like there were NFL talents that he was playing alongside and he was converting positions all, all the while at the same time. So it's, I, I get, the hesitation, especially when there's pressure at you know, Mike Norvell was working towards his next job. Like he's now at Florida State because he kept dominating at Memphis. Like he was, he he had a, a reputation to uphold. He had a a twelve and two target to go for to get him his next job. So I understand. Like when it's college football is a little bit different because these guys are climbing these ladders. These guys in these uh, you know group of five conferences, like these coaches. Any mistake they make can get them off the the coaching track for a power five, huge paying gig. So I understand like the, the hesitation to take this Juco guy that, okay, he's a cool weapon, but just give him the keys to the offense. And obviously the, the Washington football team was in a position this year. They're like, look, we don't even care. You're a best playmaker. Just go do stuff. And I, yeah. That's what I yeah, love.
1: They, no, absolutely. And they figured it out. And and here's the thing. I'm more comfortable with Antonio Gibson than I am with James Robinson
2: for a couple no, of reasons. That makes sense. Um, absolutely makes sense.
1: R- a couple reasons. One, it's Rivera ain't going anywhere anytime soon. I think there's a lot more instability in Jacksonville. There's less draft capital. At least he has draft capital. So I am totally cool if somebody says Antonio Gibson is my RB1 in dynasty. I can understand that. <laughs> yeah. There is a you know precedent for that with the James Robinson. I can't get behind the Arian Foster thing that a lot of people are starting <laughs> to comp because Arian Foster is once in a generation yeah. type player.
2: And plus, you really like him quite a bit. He was your Twitter avy for a yeah, while.
1: Yeah, he weren't. was. He was my guy. Yeah, I was. Yeah, Arian Foster was kind of what I don't want to say made my brand. I would say, but I kind of was on. Arian Foster before he even made it to the NFL, like I'm like this guy has it, like he has something special. Yeah, and he was just kind of in Tennessee. He's got this weird shit that happened with him. He was it's kind of a an odd dude, right? He's an odd duck. But I had him in all my dynasty leagues, and I was super high in Aaron Foster. And he just he's insane. Like he's yeah. an insane running. It back. Doesn't the, happen. The feel for the game, feel for the game is unlike any other. He was smoother than than eggs. Like he was awesome. silk. Yeah, I don't know. But James Robinson, like he's a good running back, but I don't see like once in a generation type talent that I saw with Arian Foster. I'm less likely to be, I view him in like the Philip Lindsay mold where Philip Lindsay is like, yeah, damn, this dude looks really good and he's really productive. But we saw Philip Lindsay get company with Melvin Gordon, like even though they had a cheap alternative at running back, ain't going to cost them a big contract. They still went out and got Melvin Gordon and they gave him more touches. That mixed with the instability in Jacksonville, I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years. So I'm starting to stay away from guys like James Robinson, cash out where they're, where they're, when, it, when it's high. Yeah. With Antonio Gibson, I'm cool hanging on to him. Like third round draft pick, still day two. I'm good with that. You know, he's got that cheap contract. He's obviously a size, speed, you know, he's a freak of nature in terms of athletic. He ran sub 4 4. He's he's under six one. He might be 6'1", 225, twenty five two thirty. He's a big dude. Like <laughs> so, yeah, so he's got that. You know that that he could be just an absolute you know specimen at the position, and he looks to be that way. But do I have him at RB one? No, <laughs> no. But I can understand the argument. Let's put it that way. I'm not. Yeah. I won't say that this somebody's doing the somebody's process is wrong if they have antonio gibson at one it's just not my style
2: right and i think for me i actually am am inching closer and closer every week to just saying look antonio gibson rb1 from this class at the very least for sure because i had him at i think a running back five or six pre-draft anyway so I it's just maybe it's my confirmation bias talking but I've been moving him up inching him up further uh in my rankings it's just interesting because all the other guys that were supposed to outdo him by far have not done it so much except for maybe one of the guys in, in Clyde Edwards Hilaire Uh, but yeah James Robinson he's actually been the most productive back in this class had another what 128 rushing yards this week I mean he was coming into this week he was already like I think sixth in PPR points per game and touches per game and I mean now he's on pace for 1700 yards from scrimmage so yeah enjoy the production enjoy if you have him on your fantasy football team he's doing great things but yeah I'm I think if you just look at the contract situation, like and the team's investment. I mean, right now, if the team cut him, just period, I think it would cost them what, like a twenty-five thousand dollar cap hit, basically nothing. So, if they want to bring in help next year, let alone just a complete replacement, it would not be surprising at all uh, for james robinson and i can't say the same for antonio gibson who, who's definitely not an easy cut and definitely has the feature back size he, he looks the part more so than uh, lo- like a long-term asset for uh, for like a james robinson but we'll, yeah. we'll actually continue this on the other side talk about some nick, nick chubb austin eckler what to do with them and some other running backs in fantasy football but first a word from our sponsors And unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73%, yes, 73% of online job seekers in the US visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore on total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help get you the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks to a natural lack of athleticism or commitment or perhaps overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. And this football season has been different, and so Pepsi's been here to get us ready for game day, no matter how we've been watching or how you're going to watch the rest of the season if you're a Titans fan like me, you've been watching Derrick Henry kill it for four quarters, especially killing it in the fourth quarter. So you're going to need four quarters of energy from Pepsi. And Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. All right, and we're back. So uh, we've been talking about some rookie running backs, talking about some Derrick Henry. Probably way too much Derrick Henry, but uh, it's, it's me and Izzy. I'm a Titans fan. Izzy is a Derrick Henry fan. So... That is what it is. But uh, moving on to Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, because that, that situation, I think every single week we get a new story with uh, what that backfield could look like. We had some bonkers expectations for Nick Chubb when he came into the league, and let alone after he started owning that backfield and looking like the prospect that we thought he could be. And right now he's um, he's easily a top 10 running back uh, on Dynasty Trade Calculator, on most running, running back rankings, wherever you want to find them. But um, despite you know Chubb's ridiculous one hundred and seventy six yard game this weekend, our, our top running back one performance is sustainable with Kareem Hunt there still. I mean he's I mean Kareem Hunt's still on contract through twenty twenty two. I mean there is no cap really no significant cap hit if the team wants to cut bait after twenty twenty one. But still he is there, and if you look at the split, Chubb's averaging outside of this past week anyway about a full touchdown less in terms of fantasy points uh, when Kareem Hunt is playing with him. So are you concerned uh this like short term long term with Chubb or are you just going with it anyway thinking the talent wins out and and we see more weeks like this week where <laughs> Chubb's just the guy anyway.
1: Yeah, for me it's all about volume and regardless of Kareem Hunt there. So here's what Kareem Hunt does to Nick Chubb's volume, he just takes away those few receptions that he gets, which sucks, which makes him more like a Derrick Henry type player. We might catch a pass or two in a game, but he's not going to be a focal point in the offense and the receiving game. And he's, you know, where Nick Chubb isn't Derrick Henry is Derrick Henry gets all of the carries or (laughs) significant, like 90% of the carries where Chubb only probably gets like 70%.
2: Yeah. Still a lot of carries though.
1: yeah my my thing is as long as he's getting between 16 to 20 touches a game nick chubb and this is once again a, i'm a huge nick chubb fan he's what derrick henry and nick chubb are like my and i don't know what it is about guys that can't catch the football apparently i like him. but um <laughs> you know nick chubb to me is just he is such a good running back and he's getting you know those 16 17 18 carries a game which i'm good with that's that's fine. Like Nick Chubb can get you 100 yards doing that. And he, the thing that pisses me off about the Kareem Hunt thing is why is he ever in there on inches situations, goal line situations? Like just give the ball to Chubb. You know, it's like that's the thing that tilts me more than anything. It's not the receptions, it's when Kareem Hunt comes in at the goal line. Like just the <laughs> stupidest thing ever.
2: At least they don't um, bring in Taysom Hill. Like at least they don't have that guy. Right. Could be even, right. could it's, be even worse. That's true.
1: That's true. Nick Chubb's played seven games.
2: Yeah, right. including today, it's seven games. I mean, prior to this week, he, he was averaging 16 and a half touches per game. It, his average is around 17 ish, 18 ish now. I'm but, good with
1: that. And yeah. he's what? He's had 500 yards hard games, you know, with Kareem Hunt there. So I get it. You lose those. Probably what four to five points a week because of Hunt.
2: I mean, it's really a, if you, it's like he's probably gonna have two or three less catches per game, like you mentioned, and maybe two to four carries less. I mean, if you look at their game splits, that's almost exactly what it is. I mean, he's it's like a 23 touch guy versus probably a 19 touch guy, like that's the difference, maybe 18 touch guy. So it still it yeah. takes the, the cap off, like he, he's probably not gonna be the, the running back one overall. But for me, I, I think I'm saying both, like I, he's the better of the two. And he's still going to get a lot of work. He's going to get enough work. And he's an incredible talent that's probably going to score highly in terms of fantasy points over expectation because he's just better than everybody anyway. So I mm-hmm. I, I don't have a problem keep, keeping him in my running back one rankings. Like especially, I, I would not understand it if somebody had him outside their top 12. Like wh- where would you think he would be for you?
1: <laughs> it's not fair because um, <laughs> I, I, we've seen enough of Kareem Hunt and – chubb coexisting to recognize that chubb can still put up 25 point fantasy games yeah did just today like half of his games <laughs> so far basically have been 25 point games yeah and that's with kareem hunt healthy and the one game i mean you can look and say okay let's take out week four because he got hurt pretty early against dallas but against he would have gone over 100 yards against dallas too
2: yeah everybody has like he was averaging
1: <laughs> i mean everybody was destroying dallas early it was just sad that we couldn't see what he could have done against dallas but He's averaging 100 in the games that he's actually played and started. He's averaging well over 100 yards. And even if you include the game that he left in early, he's still averaging over 100 yards a game on the ground. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know how you can have him outside (laughs) of your top five in Dynasty right now. I mean, I get the Camara. I get the McCaffrey. I get the Barkley. Right. And then it comes down to Cook, Chubb and um, Jacobs, where I can see you making an argument for. Okay, fine. I'll change my answer. I can't see him being <laughs> outside the top six. Yeah, and that's, for me. I, that's, I, I no, have that makes my sense. top
2: five. I mean that's and that's where the calculator has him. I think that's where a lot of people in Dynasty have him, especially because I mean, who else are you gonna put over him? Like, I mean, it's, it's a bunch of guys that are older than him, or maybe you're super high on Miles Sanders, or maybe you're super high on one of these rookies. But I mean it just age wise, production wise, stealing wise, it's hard to have him ranked very much below six for sure. So I think, I think that's fair. Where do you have him? I, I think I actually have him at, at six as well. So it's, it's not, I actually have Henry over him and, and Jacobs uh, below just a hair, mm-hmm. but I mean, it's, it's still in that same, in that same range. I, it's hard to rank him, but much, much further down the list than that. And, and really, if you're really into fantasy football, like I'm all for going after cream hunt as well. And having him on my team, because, because of job, like because of job, like it's, people want to stay away and because of obviously you know the things that he's done in the past and uh his, his contract's not super safe long term uh, like I said they can cut bait pretty easily i'm I'm fine at pursuing cream hunt because if Chubb does miss time he's a feature back and even when he doesn't miss time I mean, if you look at his in-game splits with Chubb and without Chubb it's within one fantasy point so it's yeah. i yeah. mean it's I think that's the kind of player I'm going after. Uh, at the position that I don't I don't necessarily I think because of his usage he can maintain whatever he's doing for the entire duration of his contract and the team doesn't really have an incentive to move off of him and his ceiling could be much higher yet he doesn't you know cost much at all to to acquire in dynasty for the most part I think some people I think some sharp uh, websites have him pretty high for the reasons that i just stated but i think a lot of people because they don't see that ceiling with chubb there they're just staying away so i'm all yeah, for uh, you know going after both these guys and for fantasy football and i i like them both uh the, the browns are in a great spot at the position
1: i think we need to like i think you bring up a really good point with the splits his his role is still like he's still putting up you know 14 15 fantasy points a week right and if you look at what 14 fantasy points a week is on, on average you're looking at right now he's 18th in in average points per game where Chubb is 6th if you right. take out that week 4 so and that's about right as long as he's valued in that range i think you're probably getting him around that that range and he's going to give you consistent production when Chubb is even when Chubb is in there and when Chubb is out i mean you expect him to do better but he really doesn't no. so he's giving you a consistent you know 14 15 points on average a week and he's durable. Like one thing with Kareem Hunt throughout his career, he's been pretty durable. So it's nice to have that guy that you can plug in every single week, and he'll average, you know, fourteen points a week, and and just be happy with it.
2: Yeah, and I think that's that's okay. And really, it's it part of it is that the games he you know didn't have Chubb there, he actually just didn't find the end zone. Uh, so that kind of skews the results a little bit. But I think that the, the, no. the ceiling is definitely still there. But definitely like uh, both of them uh, for what they bring to the table. Uh, and I think there's an argument to be made. I think you could convince someone uh, that, you know, because he is just a Derrick Henry type guy that you could probably get Nick Chubb on your team if he's not already but lastly there are still like I mentioned over a half dozen other starting running backs that we've hardly mentioned that are in between age 25 and 27 that that are really good that are going to be around for a while but a few of the guys that I'm betting on for fantasy football purposes for the next at least three years or so I think some of my favorites have to be two guys that are actually on my dynasty trade calculator uh, championship league roster and I'm completely you know not biased in any way but Austin X Eckler and Aaron Jones are two of my favorite guys to continue to, to produce. They're both still 25 years old, and and thus might be valued a little bit lower than the rookies or you know guys like Chubb, guys like McCaffrey, of course, you know guys like that. But they're both still running back ones actually this year on a points per game basis, thanks to you know Eckler's ridiculous 130 yards from scrimmage, 11 reception performance this week. So, what are you doing with the, both of those guys in dynasty fantasy yeah. formats?
1: So. Aaron uh, Eckler to me is I'm more comfortable rostering Austin Eckler one he he's cost less and two at worst he's a team sit- so if they bring somebody in like la uh, like had with with Melvin he's just a an HGA H version of <laughs> James White right
2: yeah I mean he's really pumped up oh. he's a high reception guy he's not gonna have 150 rushing yards but
1: but so he's got a good floor So I I love that with with Eckler. Um, The thing with Aaron Jones that I don't necessarily understand. Well, one, the way his cost is. But I hate the fact that Jamal Williams just continues to (laughs) just be a thorn in his side. For me, at least Kareem Hunt is good. Right. Right. Nick Chubb. But Jamal Williams to me is such a jag. Like, (laughs)
2: like, obviously so.
1: Yeah, you can replay. Like I watched Jamal Williams, and I'm never like, wow. <laughs> you
2: know,
1: I never, I've never said wow when Jamal Williams has touched the ball.
2: You know, I'm pretty sure you still have a pinned tweet about this, don't you?
1: Yes, but I've never, I'm never, I'm not taking it down until that guy gets cut.
2: <laughs> yeah, like, for those opposite, that don't follow Izzy, it's this is the tweet. It, this is, I think you've had it pinned for like forever at this point. It's if you took all of Aaron Jones's strengths and all of Jamal Williams strengths and put them into one player, you'd have Aaron Jones. (laughs) And and I can't think of much anything else that's more accurate than that. And it is frustrating. But so are you concerned? I mean, on top of that being a concern and A.J. Dillon's thighs being a concern, Aaron Jones is actually on the final year of his rookie contract as, as well. Uh, and he's not, I don't think he's been re signed. I think he's still going to be an un- un- unrestricted free agent. So that can mean completely different things after this year. I-, I just think he either comes back or he gets a really big deal that sees his dynasty value floated pretty highly again because that's what people do. They overreact to <laughs> the running backs getting paid but
1: yeah let's think about this though we have a few running backs coming out of the draft that have people excited
2: yeah I mean Travis Etienne Najee Harris you know like Chuba Hubbard a lot of people like I like Javante Williams Mm -hmm. but I think
1: Hubbard's kind of lost steam yeah so let's take him out so Williams has gained steam so he's kind of the new Hubbard right so those three guys are starting running back caliber players
2: yeah that might be it out of next year's class yeah
1: Yeah, so you got those three guys, and then you got to assume that there might be one or two prospects a la Antonio Gibson and James Robinson where teams might like those players later on so they fade running back and they just kind of have those guys be their guy. So let's say there's one of those. So let's say there's four teams that are going to bring in a running back to be their guy. If you look at the running back landscape in the NFL, how many teams actually need – running back
2: it it's not me like, it, especially not many that uh you, you think wow that's a feature back opportunity like i mean off the top of my head uh maybe yeah. san francisco might be in the market uh maybe well, they just,
0: they just kind of
1: picked up most for cheap right and they really yeah. like him but yeah they could definitely because they rotate running backs all the time um miami so let's let's consider san you know, fran yeah miami yeah that might be the a jets. situation
2: yeah the, the, the jets the jags you mean but yeah they might be in a and for a search there but yeah there's so not got- a whole lot of obvious situations that you're like man that's that's a clear feature back workload just waiting to happen so I get it so is that really your prime primary concern with Aaron Jones like if he just especially if he does if he's not re-signed by Green Bay
1: yeah I just don't I, I'd, I'd rather have the known than the unknown in free agency at receiver The receiver position is different. I kind of, I do get excited when receivers hit the market. With running backs, I get nervous because you don't know what team's philosophy that they're going to land. Are they going to land to a philosophy where they're going to be, they like having multiple backs and you got a committee issue? If that's the case, then yeah, Aaron Jones, to me, it's a concern, right? Which is why I was concerned about all of these rookie running backs in terms of year one production. All of these rookie running backs went into a situation where they kind of had committee situations. Yeah. There was no clear. Hey, he's the guy. You know, yeah. Jonathan Taylor had Mac. Oh man, um, and
2: imagine if Mac was still healthy right now. Like, <laughs> it'd be even yeah. worse.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It, Damian Williams was before COVID. It was supposed to be Damian Williams and Clyde. Yeah. So that was now it's turn.
2: Bell and Hyde. Bell and yeah, you had uh, Edward Hillary. Dobbins.
1: Hale. Yeah, you had Dobbins and and Ingram. You had Akers and Henderson. Yeah. You know, you had Swift and and carry on AP, and it's just like where Aaron Jones is going to go, like. There aren't many like oh he's the he's getting twenty uh, here he's getting twenty twenty five carries a game that's it he's their guy yeah um, and he's not really in that situation now I mean but he's Green getting eighteen Bay touches a so game
2: good. it's not twenty five but he's getting eighteen touches a game this year yeah. which is that, it's Green that's, Bay. That's, that's solid that's solid that's solid I I think if he gets brought back to Green Bay I think that is going to maintain his value at least for three four years and if he gets plugged in somewhere else great but uh it, it it will be really annoying though if he like hypothetically he actually goes to the chargers and it's him and Eckler in the same, <laughs> in yeah. the same backfield but but I, I don't I don't know if I'd see that happening, but yeah i I definitely still like Eckler because of his floor but also his ceiling because of where that offense is going under Herbert. I have more questions maybe with Aaron Jones, but he's done it for longer, I guess at a feature back level, so I still like those guys over. The likes of, you know, maybe even honestly at this point, maybe even over Joe Mixon because of what what we're seeing happen with him. Like uh, even like a James Conner, like a bunch of guys in that same tier level that could go way up, could go way down if they actually managed to stay healthy or if their offense looked like it was decent for a hot second. Yeah, there's just an entire group of guys in that 25 to 27 range. Those two are some of my favorites. Are you so you you are buying Eckler and probably fading Aaron Jones?
1: I'm holding Eckler. Okay. Right, I'm not a guy. I'm not going to go out and buy him, but I'm not going to go out and sell him. Right, I'm okay with that. Aaron Jones, like, I'm definitely not going out to acquire Aaron Jones just because there's some uncertainty in in the future. Like, I, yeah. I just don't like that buying Aaron. So, selling Aaron Jones, it depends. I wouldn't sell him <laughs> now because he hasn't in the first few weeks. Yes, because he was kind of everybody is screaming regression. Right, he had right. those monster touchdown season. He's going to come down. He's going to regress. Well, he hadn't regressed in the first six weeks. He was keeping that pace. And recently he slowed down. So I probably wouldn't sell him now. Like the guys that you mentioned, a type the type of guy that I'd be buying out of the guys you mentioned, as painful as this sounds, (laughs) is Joe Mixon. Yeah. Joe Mixon is still the guy that I would be buying. From a talent perspective, I don't know how you feel about Joe Mixon, but I think that Joe Mixon is a legitimately great running back.
2: No, I do too. I see I really like him. It's just I mean, he's he's had more health issues than I thought we ever thought he would. And, you know, he's going to be in in just a nasty situation down the stretch this year. And we don't even know if uh, Joe Burrow is going to be back by the beginning of next year. So that's my only, I think, just at least in the next year, maybe, we might not see, even though he is supremely talented, we might not see anywhere near what he's capable of because of the limitations of that offense and team that he's just still having to deal with. So that's it my is only concern. a risk concern. reward, right? Yes. So I get it. I so get we- it. So-
1: We've gotten to the point now where Joe Mixon isn't like top 15, 20, right? So now he's he's getting to the point where he's becoming worth the risk that you're talking about.
2: Yeah, that's true because I think a lot of people have him outside their top 50 overall for fantasy football purposes, for Dynasty. So I think if that's true, definitely worth a look. For sure, that's that's probably a name, and he's actually younger than the other two guys I mentioned as well, and in a in a decent contract situation. So okay, you you sold me. I'm back on, <laughs> but, but see, this is why I have you on the show. This this is why why we talk about these things, and uh, hopefully help some people out. that love some fantasy football too. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's about all the time we have for this week's episode, listeners. I hope you guys enjoyed this running back special. This has been a bunch of fun. he just reconnecting with you, talking about. Uh, uh, all of our favorite running backs. And I did, I did try to get a bunch of these guys I knew you would want to be talking about on. So I, I didn't want to spend too much talking about Melvin Gordon and uh, guys like that. Cause I still remember you and you and Nick arguing over Melvin Gordon like years ago. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
2: Yeah.
1: So that's, how do, you feel, how do you feel about Melvin Gordon, Travis? I, Have you, were you a Melvin Gordon guy?
2: So I understood the opportunity at hand and I, I loved what I saw as a runner, but I, I I was really surprised by his receiving, and I, I didn't care that he was inefficient because he was in a great spot. As soon as he as, as he was no longer going to be in a great spot for feature back workload, he was just not going to be the guy. So I was fine to fade him, you know, going into the I guess the end of his rookie contract. And I'm glad that I did anywhere that I could because he's not. Uh, not what, what I think anyone wanted him to be, but uh, a, a guy that uh, I still remember you didn't uh, you didn't like very much. I think he was averaging like three yards a carry early one season. You were just – you were out.
1: Well, I, I, he's a ticking time bomb. Like this guy, to me, isn't a, a bell cow. Like it's a ticking – I'm watching this guy and I'm like, he's not it. Yeah. So he's a ticking time bomb. Like, every single day game that passes that he's still <laughs> the guy is, is – it's like Jack Bauer 24. Right. You're just trying to find – the fuse right you're trying to stop it
2: yeah and, and then the, there was a whole like, it was the whole thing with his knees too so yeah if it, it was we saw that one coming but anyway that that is all the time we have this week but izzy uh appreciate you coming on uh anything more you want to kind of plug before uh, we hop off besides you know the the podcast and uh where people can find you on twitter
1: uh no, you can find me on Twitter at dt DTC underscore Izzy i really don't put a lot of good content on Twitter. I just kind of fart around on Twitter. Um, <laughs> all the all the content that I have that I can share, my insights is going to be on the podcast, Dynasty Trade Calculator podcast. So yeah, nothing nothing to plug. Not oh. a plug guy.
2: Well hey, well I'm just glad to have you uh, plug in uh, your knowledge into this running back. Uh, landscape uh, in the NFL so really glad to have you on the show can't believe that uh, we're already I guess to the fantasy football playoffs now and it's uh, after Thanksgiving you're gonna have Christmas music all over the place now but uh, (laughs) just bizarre how fast this season has gone but uh, listeners please do leave a rate and review question in your review if you want to get it on the show but uh, thanks as always for listening and I look forward to you joining me soon for many more episodes of the College to Canton podcast Football is back in full swing, and you might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great signup bonuses. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
0: Nobody builds 5G like Verizon builds 5G.